Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Hour two of the program underway now. Uh, pleased to be joined by the play-by-play voice of the Salt Lake Bees, as well as the Weaver State Wildcats, Steve Klauke. Steve, how are you, sir? Good, Jake. Uh, unfortunate circumstances for me to be on the program, but uh, happy to be with you. Absolutely. I appreciate you carving out some time for us. I know you got a game coming up tonight, Game 3 of the series between the Round Rock Express and the Salt Lake Bees. I want to get your thoughts on that here in a moment, but let's start off with the news at hand. Obviously, the tragic passing of Mark Eaton. Uh, it sounds like overnight is when everything went down, broke earlier this morning. But, Steve, you've been in this market for a really long time. I just kind of had to throw you a softball here off the top. What are your memories, your interactions, just your overall thoughts on the life and legacy of Mark Eaton? Well, you know, he, he is the Renaissance man uh, from the standpoint, you know, uh, a guy who uh, was discovered underneath the car working uh, as a mechanic because that's something he loved to do and eventually turned basketball into a, uh, a livelihood for him that led to him being a restaurateur, motivational speaker, uh, author, uh, just an all-around kind of guy and just uh, uh, the kind of guy who treated everybody the same. It was really interesting when I first came in 1991. Uh, he was really the, the, the one, one of the players on the Jazz that uh, kind of taught me the ropes on how to be around the team, what you should do, and he was always grateful. Matter of fact, we were sitting, it was funny, we were sitting poolside at the hotel in Los Angeles because uh, my first ever road trip with the Jazz was uh, the uh, time we were playing the Clippers in the playoffs and got uh, you know holed up in our hotel during the uh, Rodney yeah. King riots and uh, and you know, we just got to talking and uh, uh, it was one of those things where he just kind of said you know uh, just to let you know the players really respect you because you're the first radio guy we've ever had that would actually come to practice and so I thought that was that was kind of neat and, and I think it was the next morning uh, he's having breakfast with uh, John Stockton and uh, the uh, PR guy Kim Turner, and I'm I'm going to go sit at the coffee shop as well to have breakfast. Uh, go sit at the table by myself, and Mark waves me over and says, "Hey, come join us." And of course, John kind of got a look of panic on his face, like, "Wait a minute, you're having a media guy come over and join us for breakfast?" But uh, all in all, it was great, and that was the kind of guy Mark was. He didn't he didn't see uh, you know differences in people. He was a guy that uh, you know didn't care how much you made or or, or what you look like. It was one of those guys that just. Uh, it was fun and interesting to be around even you know after his playing career had a chance to, was about 2 months ago 3 months ago uh to have lunch with uh, Mark and Thurl and Frank Layden and some of the old media guys people like Dick Rosetta and Steve Brown and uh, just had a nice lunch uh, at uh, Tuscany even though the restaurant wasn't open Mark sure but made sure it was open for us to have lunch on that given day and it was just li- fun listening to the the stories from uh, those days See, and that's the thing about it, Steve, is you have a frame of reference that my earliest memories of the Utah Jazz are from my very young childhood watching the tail end of Mark's career with the Utah Jazz. But me growing up here in Utah, I'm born and raised Utah, I know about Tuscany. I know about his being a motivational speaker. I knew he was a fixture up there in Summit County in the greater Park City area. You could see him at any given time, it felt like, whether he was riding his bike, riding a horse somewhere. He just did so much. I, I think Renaissance Man is the perfect phrase for who Mark Eaton was. And when you c- consider the kind of the entirety of his life now, 
where he came from, he had a coach who really convinced him, hey, continue to give basketball a try, even though he was being a mechanic at that time. Just mm-hmm. an absolutely incredible story to consider. Exactly. And again, he loved being a mechanic. He wasn't sure mm-hmm. about basketball. I don't know that early on he actually not even liked the game. He certainly didn't love the game. Yeah. It's something that kind of grew on him over time. And obviously, you know, it opened a lot of doors for him to do other things. And so it was one of those things that he was grateful for the opportunity uh, to play basketball. You know, it's interesting, too. He always had a, you know, a wide variety of people that he was around. A great example was uh, just this week. I mean, Thursday, Wednesday and Thursday night, he was in Chicago. Uh, to see the White Sox play the Cardinals, but not really so much to see the White Sox play the Cardinals. It was uh, he had befriended somewhere along the line the umpire Joe West, mm-hmm. who on Wednesday night set the record for the most games umpired in the major leagues in in, in history. And he's there at a party, and he's there with. Uh, Paul Krause, the former Minnesota Vikings uh, defensive back, Jim McMahon was there, some other celebrities from the sports world were there, and it's just yeah, amazing how he uh, got was able to connect and make all these friendships with people. But then again, it wasn't all that amazing because of the guy, kind of guy that he, he was. Uh, so you, you've kind of mentioned a lot of his you know, off-the-court kinds of things. We know that his number is retired here in the rafters for his on-the-court uh, contributions. But what would you say, in your mind or in your opinion, would be his, what, what was his most impactful contribution off the court? Oh boy, that's that's a tough one because he he was involved in a lot of uh, charity work in town that uh, a lot of us probably don't know half of. Uh, uh, he he was a guy that was a, a a pillar of the community, willing to help out when needed, uh, and it was one of those things where uh, you know if you needed uh, the quote unquote celebrity to help out a cause, he he was there. But he would more than just show up; he would be you know seriously involved in whatever it was he was doing, and so. Uh, that kind of person is uh, few and far between, and it was uh, uh, always uh, fun to see him, regardless of uh, where we were at the time, to to run into Mark and talk with him and all that. And he was just an, an, an amazing person from that standpoint. I, I'm still stunned, Steve, that you were the first radio guy to show up to practice. I would have thought that. Yeah, that was it. It used to be practices. It was uh, it was, you know, the two beat writers, uh-huh. Steve Loom and uh, whoever was with the, the D News at the time. And uh, I guess my predecessors on the show really didn't uh, uh, do that kind of thing. And uh, I just, uh, at the time, I didn't think it was a big deal. But uh, Mark, uh, you know, obviously told me that uh, apparently it was. So it was, uh, you know, it was great to hear. And he was a big supporter of the ball club when baseball came here, too. He yeah. befriended the. Uh, our owner, Joe Buses, at the time, he had a couple, for a couple of years there, he had a Mark Eaton celebrity softball game uh, at uh, what is now Smith's Ballpark. He would, uh, usually beforehand when we were at home, would uh, come up to the booth a couple of times and promote it. And then, of course, the game itself would always be played when the team was on the road. So I never got to see any of these celebrity softball games. But he was in, involved and had a, you know, raised a lot of money for charity with these softball games. Yeah, Steve... You obviously, you, when you first got here, you said it was ninety. It was ninety one when you came? Is that right? Ninety one, yeah. Yeah. So you've been here, yeah. Wow, three decades. Is that is that three decades this year? Then it'll be yeah, it'll be it'll be thirty years uh, in August. And it turns out that my first year here was the was Mark's last year in the NBA because of the back problems that, yeah. that forced him to retire. Jeez, that's it's crazy to consider, Steve, because you've been a. Uh, I'll be honest, a soundtrack to part of my growing up years here i can tell you that much i've listened to many a bees game with you over the years but it's it's incredible just to consider uh the impact that mark had just on the community at large because we've been seeing people on twitter and on social media as we've gotten ready for today's show 
very few people had maybe more than one interaction with him. But I think to a person, they would all say that they never felt like he big time them. Obviously, he loomed over you because he was the biggest human being that most people probably ever met at seven foot four. But he was never above talking and just letting people know that he actually genuinely cared about them. Absolutely, absolutely. And it was, it was always interesting over the years. Uh, the late Dave Blackwell and I would be on remote, and uh, Mark would be uh, a guest at the remote on a regular basis, whether it be uh, a granite furniture up in, in uh, Layton or uh, the old Incredible Universe down here in, in Sandy and all, all right, that. Yeah. Everybody, and even Dave to a certain extent, would uh, make uh, comments in regards to his height. And I'm thinking to myself, He's probably heard all of this and is sick of it, but he he let it roll off his back, I guess, because he he never you know didn't wince or he, he didn't you know snap back and say enough's enough uh, about these height jokes and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, the way he handled it, uh, I guess the way he handled his height was uh, was uh, 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 unbelievable because I, I I certainly would have gotten tired of it uh, early on. You know, on the floor. You could almost say that Mark was partially responsible for John Stockton setting the steals record because John could take more chances going for the steal, knowing that he had the big eraser in the paint. That's I mean, there was no, you yeah. know, they had the illegal defenses, but as a sure. whole, Mark could uh, protect the rim as, as well as anybody. And so he was a guy that uh, they could count on if they made a mistake or if they went for the steal and didn't get it, he'd be there to make up for their uh, mistakes. Well, I said I think that's funny enough that we we talk you talk about that, but we also look at the current jazz uh, with Rudy Gobert. Obviously, there have been multiple jazz players who have said I can be more aggressive on defense simply due to the fact that Rudy's there as a deterrent for anybody who may get past their guy. Exactly, exactly, and that's uh, you know it was funny because uh, uh, Coach Sloan always used to talk about the fact that uh, you know most teams would try to funnel opposing offenses to the baselines to make it more difficult to score. But the Jazz defensively, philosophically, was to try to force him into the middle so they'd have to run into Mark. And so he might have had you know, several thousand block shots, whatever that total was, but the same case with Rudy, the number of altered shots mm-hmm. is probably three times as much. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Steve, tonight the Salt Lake Bees are back in action. Uh, they've lost the first two games to the Round Rock Express. What can we expect tonight at the ballpark? Well, it's going to be interesting. Uh, Max Stassi on her injury rehab assignment from the Angels will probably be in the lineup again. Uh, Kean Wong, who had hit safely in 16 of the first 17 games, he got called up today, so he won't be at second base. So uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, Round Rock is a, a team, the Texas Rangers AAA affiliate, that's played well so far, even though they came into Salt Lake with a five-game losing streak, and the Bees had won four in a row. But for some reason, it looks like the Bees have left their bats in Las Vegas, only scoring four runs in the in the first two games of this series combined. After I don't think they scored as low as four in any of the six games that were played in Las Vegas. So hopefully the bats will come alive. It's military appreciation night tonight, so it should be a, a great night at the ballpark. Looks like the weather's going to cooperate as well. So uh, hopefully uh, the bees can get back on track with the W here tonight because uh, going into this series, they were at 500 and haven't had a winning record since they were 1-0 after opening day of 2019. Jeez, okay. <laughs> Steve, with the, with the game coming up tonight and the bees finally back in action after the last year off. Um, you know, Salt Lake has seen a lot of, you know, good players, big names come through, most notably Mike Trout. Uh, who on this current roster right now would you say is the, the most standout name that, that people should take note of? 
I would say there's one A and one B, and that's Joe Adele and Brandon Marsh, two of the top prospects, not only in the Angels organization, but in all of minor league baseball. Uh, Joe just had an unbelievable series uh, in Las Vegas, six homers, ten runs batted in in six games. Uh, Brandon Marsh has been struggling a little bit of late, but he got a late start to the season due to a, a shoulder problem that caused him to spend time at extended spring training. So those are the two guys I think uh, are going to be uh, parts, big parts of the future for the Angels. Matter of fact, Adele did spend some time all of 2020, but struggled with a few things. And Joe Madden, the Angels manager, had him sent down to minor league camp early this year, so he knew that he had a lot to work on, particularly on the defensive end. He made some spectacular catches in Las Vegas, but sometimes struggles with his throws. And, you know, to be able to play uh, outfield in the major leagues, you've got to be able to do all. And, uh, and Madden has already said, despite Joe having a hot bat of late, they're going to be very patient and bring him along slowly. There's no rush to bring him up to the big A yet. Steve, I'm going to steal a question from David James that he was talking about earlier this week on DJ and PK in the morning. But at the major league level, he he said that, that he feels like there have been a lot more injuries through this early part of the MLB season so far. He said he didn't have any science to back it up. Have you noticed anything of that uh, in that in regards to that trend, or is it about average for what you've experienced? I, I think it's it's a trend, but it's not just this year. I think maybe over the last four or five years and. You know, there are going to be some people uh, who are employed in this uh, line of work that probably won't like what I'm going to say. But in the 27 seasons now that I've been with uh, the Salt Lake baseball team, uh, the biggest difference is there have been more injuries since the addition of strength and conditioning coaches than we had before. I'm not so sure that, uh, I mean, they have their ideas, but I'm not so sure what their ideas are, are coexist with baseball. Baseball is a game of flexibility, not a, uh, a game of strength. Ernie Banks you know, wasn't uh, a built guy. He was slender, but he had great wrist. Hank Aaron, great wrist, mm-hmm. flexibility, and that's where they generated their power. They didn't generate their power with muscles. And I think uh, the emphasis on strength and conditioning, while it has its benefits, I think is being done the wrong way at, at, in baseball, and it's causing more and more injuries. Interesting. That's something I hadn't really considered. But you think about it, there in the I guess in the last twenty years is really when guys have started to really bulk up. If we're being honest with ourselves, yeah, both honestly and dishonestly. Sure, but yeah. I know that uh, <laughs> I know at our level, it's been what only about ten, twelve years since uh, they've had strength and conditioning coaches at AAA. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, that's where I, I think I see more injuries. Uh, I, I, I actually thinking on it, just kind of you mentioning that. I'm thinking back. I'm like, well, my early years growing up, I watched guys like Ken Griffey, who he didn't seemingly change his body physique at all his entire career. And mm-hmm. Pretty wiry dude, and that's kind of the kind of the, it was kind of the body type for an MLB player for many many years. Yeah, exactly. It's, 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 uh, uh, when they say that the guys are muscling up on a ball, I mean, Shohei Otani's built, don't get me wrong, yes. but uh, here's a guy that he's got the, you know, uh, the flexibility that you need, the way they teach it maybe uh, in Japan, and that's why it was it the other day he hit the hardest ball in mm-hmm. the history of the uh, stat cast with, a, I think, his home run to right field. Uh, not only was it uh, measured at 117 miles per hour for exit velocity, but it made it from the bat to the stands in three and a half seconds. So that was a missile that he hit the other night. Absolutely incredible. Well, Steve, I can't thank you enough for carving out some time for us today. I know you got a lot on your plate, but uh, they'll be able to hear you tonight. Uh, I believe 6.30 is when you guys go live here on The Zone. Is that correct? 6.30 indeed. And then uh, 
uh, uh, rarity back-to-back day games tomorrow and Monday. So come on out and enjoy the sun uh, on Sunday and Monday as well. Again, the uh, whole ballpark is open uh, seating now with uh, uh, the COVID restrictions relaxed. And so just to go to slbs.com to, to get the tickets and uh, come on out and uh, enjoy the uh, the great uh, summer-like weather we're going to have the next few days. I'm going to have to get my kids. My kids love going to the ballpark and maybe there on Monday. I'm going to have to come say hi to you. Sounds good. All right, Steve, thank you again for taking some time to join us. Appreciate it, guys. There you go, Steve Clauk. He can't thank him enough for taking some time on a busy Saturday for him to join us. Had a blast talking about his memories of Mark Eaton, obviously. If you guys do have an opportunity, get out there. The ballpark this time of year, as it starts to really get warm, we're going to be in the 80s for the next few days. I think it gets to the 90s next week. You can't beat the weather at Smith's ballpark this time of year. It's hard to beat anything about Smith's ballpark. I mean... You know, just the view, the the environment, just the feel of everything. It's it's one of my favorite venues for any sport that I've ever been to. I'm right there with you. So if you have a chance, get out and enjoy the game. Like Steve said, go to slbs.com, get your tickets. Uh, they've opened it to full capacity crowds. Uh, it should be a fun time and encourage you guys, if you have an opportunity to get out to the ballpark, please do so. All right, we will take a break here. We'll come back on the other side. We'll get to our five minutes of, but we'll also continue to reflect on the life and legacy of Mark Eaton. If you guys have your memories, your interactions with you, you'd like to share with us, Feel free to weigh in, 855-340-ZONE, 855-340-9663. Feel free to use the Zone app as well. Record your 15 seconds, your thoughts on him via the open mic feature. Send those in or interact with us via social media. Lundy, where can they find you? I'm at 247Lundy on Twitter. That's 247-L-U-N-D-Y. You can follow me at Jacob C. Hatch. It's my formal given name. I couldn't get Jake Hatch because somebody's parked on that Twitter handle. I'll, I'll get it one day. Anyways, in the meantime, we'll be back on the other side. Five minutes of, we're going to talk a little bit about Saki. We'll explain next. This is The Saturday Show. Welcome back to The Saturday Show here on The Zone Sports Network. I'm Yawk. That's Lundy. We are your co-host, Tandem, taking you through the top of the hour here. Show's flown by, honestly. Yeah. I mean, it always does, but it it really, this time, it feels like we've been here for five minutes. (laughs) Big thank you to both David James as well as Steve Clout. He's just heard in the last segment for joining us today to talk about the life and legacy of Mark Eaton. Uh, Just... I, I wish this was under different circumstances. We had a lot of other things we wanted to cover in today's show, but obviously the news at hand obviously comes before all. Uh, Lundy, we had to send in from Rich, and he, he's at Rich4020395. Rich, you need to get a new Twitter handle. That's a very <laughs> generic name, but a very interesting story all the same. I want to read this here, and then we'll get into our five minutes of. Here we go. I never met Mark Eaton, but the story I heard from Larry Miller when I was helping Larry put away tables and chairs after a family reunion. Larry shared a few stories about Daryl Griffith and others. Then this story came out. I hope I get it right. Mark was 33 years old and was in his contract year. The Utah Jazz had offered Mark a two-year contract. Mark agents countered with a four-year contract. They stated in an impasse. Larry said that he saw Mark in the locker room and went up to him and said, if this gets to be too bothersome, let me know and we'll get it settled. One day, Mark said to Larry, Larry, it's time. 
So Frank and Larry sat sat on one side of the table, and Mark and his agent sat on the other side. Larry presented the two-year offer. The agent presented his four-year offer. Larry's response, Mark is 33. That is when skills begin to diminish. The agent sat up, slammed his fist on the table, and answered, Skills? What skills? He can't run. He can't jump. He can't shoot. And he sure as hell can't. And he sure as hell ain't getting any shorter. <laughs> Frank and Larry looked at Mark, who with palms up just shrugged with his shrugged his shoulders, and Larry then said, "Okay, you got your four-year contract. Classic. That is absolutely incredible. And the funny thing is, I believe this wholeheartedly happened because I know oh, how Larry, sure. I know how Larry Miller interacted with players and whatnot. He had a lot of one-on-one negotiations with the players themselves. That's just." Man, I love that story. That is just beautiful. I everything about that is just it's just remarkable and I love that and like you said, I have zero like hesitation believing that. Yeah, Rich, thank you for sending in that. It was absolutely phenomenal to hear and I'm assuming he's related with Larry Miller at some point, Larry H. Miller at some level if he's at a family reunion with him helping him clean up, but Really cool story all the same. All right, let's get into our five minutes of. This is a segment we debuted last week where we hit some of the different topics that, should we say non-traditional sports radio topics? Is that probably the right term for it? Yeah, I think that's probably, you know, non-traditional, kind of somewhat overlooked, but still hold a very special place in Off hearts. the beaten path a little yeah. bit? Okay. All right, so last week we did both soccer and hockey, and one of our dedicated listeners, I mean dedicated, Clint, uh, Clint Knight on Twitter, many of you probably have seen him, Clint has been interacting with me for as long as I've been doing radio, it feels like, and came up with a brilliant idea. He said, call it Socky. I love it. It kind of sounds like a sock hop, yeah. but like a little bit like, you know, the new age kind of, you know, like <laughs> feels more modern and it incorporates, you know, sports that we're both passionate about. I, I yeah. like the name a lot. All right. So Socky means it's a combination of hockey and soccer. Lundy. What do we need to talk about? What do we need to know about NHL and or hockey overall this week? Well, so there's there's kind of two main points with the Stanley Cup playoffs that I want to hit. The first one, it's, you know, something that probably I only care about. So that's why I'm getting it out of the way first. OK, um, my Edmonton Oilers were swept. Uh, Unfortunately, very, very disappointed, especially considering that they have the best duo in the world between Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. Uh Just weird it was a weird series because when you hear uh, that somebody gets swept you typically think that it wasn't competitive and this this series very much was uh the first game looked less like the, the final score doesn't look as competitive but that's because the oilers down one with like a couple minutes left decided to go empty net to try gotcha. to get that you know equalizing score mm-hmm. uh gave up two empty net goals there at the end of the game. Um, lopsided score so, line because of that. Yeah, the final score makes it look like they got rocked, which wasn't really the case. Game two goes to overtime, they lose. Game three goes to overtime, they lose. Game four goes to triple overtime, and uh, Darnell Nurse set a new NHL record for the most amount of time on the ice in a playoff game. He played over 60 minutes in that triple overtime loss to be eliminated. Um, and the very next day, he and his wife welcomed in a new child. Um, okay, so, so you know, congratulations on the new child. He's going to be tired for the next six months after, you know, skating. And it was, uh, 
I believe games three and four were back to back nights. Okay. So. And uh, so, you know, he he did well over 20 minutes on the ice in game three, went over 60 minutes on the ice in game four. Brand new baby that's probably not going to let him or his wife sleep much for the next little bit. So, you know, Darnell Nurse, thoughts and prayers. You're going to be tired for a long time. As a dad of two kids under the age of five, I can say that's exactly what's going to happen. So, yeah. all right. Anything else we need to know? Uh, so last night, game mm-hmm. seven between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Minnesota Wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vegas runs away with it in what was otherwise a pretty close series. Vegas won 6-2. to two. Well, didn't Vegas have a 3-1 series lead at one point and people were getting a little scared? I, I, Minnesota did kind of, you know, they, they were pushing. I know that um, one of my really good buddies is a very strong Vegas Golden Knights supporter. Okay. Um, he was very nervous going into Game 7, uh, but Vegas put it away pretty handily. They now go into a second round matchup against the other close in proximity team, the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, I think the Avs are one of the the strongest contenders in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I think that's going to be a great matchup. So locally, that one, I would say, has the most local interest because they are two teams that have close proximity to Salt Lake. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll see what happens in that series. Uh, Switching over to the soccer side of things, I'm interested to see how Real Salt Lake does tonight. They have a rematch from their season opener at Minnesota United tonight out there at uh, Rio Tinto Stadium. Uh, that first match was, like some in some people's minds, marred. I thought it was highly entertaining with David Ochoa, RSL's young goalkeeper, booting the ball into the stand, into the quote-unquote wonder wall there at Allianz Field. And uh, Adrian Heath, the head coach of Minnesota United, took exception to it saying, well, that was pretty cheeky for a guy who's not that good. That guy happens to be playing for the U.S. men's national team currently, but hey, not that good, you know. But looking forward to that match tonight, 7.30 out there at Rio Tinto Stadium. Uh, if you're not going to be watching the Utah Jazz, you can watch Real Salt Lake play. Also, one other note is that uh, MLS, Major League Soccer, has hit uh, Inner Miami CF, one of their uh, recent expansion teams, with the biggest uh, fine they've ever levied against a franchise. $2 million, and it's because they um, may or may not have uh, signed five players who go above. In in Major League Soccer, they have a threshold for salaries called DP, designated players. You're allowed to have three. Well, Inter-Miami tried to get away with signing five. Um, If you're going to cheat, don't do it and flaunt the, uh, the salary cap rules that Many other teams have abided by for many, many years and been just fine, but you're out there just saying, eh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, this isn't the NCAA, you know, like if, if you cheat openly, they're actually going to punish you for something. So, you know, it's, and what was it, two and a half million dollars? Is that what you said? Uh, so two million up front on the fine. And then over the next two seasons, so in Major League Soccer, they have a salary cap that you're allowed to spend up to. They have been docked $2.2 million across the next two seasons. It amounts to 11.9% of their overall ability of cap space over the next two years. Uh, they also issued a fine to Jorge Moss, who is the managing owner of Inter-Miami, $250,000. And just for comparison's sake, uh, the biggest fine previously handed out by Major League Soccer was a $150,000 fine handout in 2015 to none other than Real Salt Lake owner, well, then Real Salt Lake owner, and is it st- he's still the owner, technically, Deloy Hansen. He, was, uh, he made some comments about the ongoing CBA negotiations at that point and got hit with a $150,000 fine. 
that pales in comparison to $2 million Inter Miami got hit with here. So that's what you need to know about soccer on that front. Um, a couple of the notes here, Lundy. Uh, Alex Barcelo for the BYU men's basketball program. He announced last night at the BYU father and sons camp down there at the Smith Fieldhouse that he's coming back for another year to play for Mark Pope. That's big. It is. Uh, he's a first-team All-WCC performer from this past season, a guy that uh, has been a critical part of Mark Pope's early tenure at BYU. He brought him in as a transfer from Arizona, and uh, obviously he's done some really good things. This is a team that if COVID hadn't had its way, they would have made the NCAA two- tournament two years in a row. Uh, he did mention to us in the media last night that the bitter taste of losing to UCLA in the first round of the NCAA tournament very much was the chief reason why he came back to BYU for what will be a super senior year. Uh, some people may have heard about this, but the NCAA has given blanket waivers to all athletes participating in these sports. They can come back to their school, play another season, and will not count against the, the scholarship limits. In college basketball, it's 13 for BYU. So essentially, you have Alex Barcelo off to the side here as a 14th guy, but he'll be your starting point guard. Which is just such a great you know, asset to get back. If you can keep that, you know, keep one of your best players oh, yeah. and not have it count against your scholarship limit and so you're able to add additional depth back there and continue to build for when he does eventually leave it's just huge yeah so we'll see i i think it's gonna a big time addition they they had hopes i know be what you had hopes of bringing matt harms back their big man in the middle the transfer from purdue he decided it was time for him to move on and get into professional basketball and I don't think they can uh, necessarily denigrate him for that one, but they'll be continuing to look in the transfer portal. They already have one guy coming in from the University of Milwaukee, T. John Lucas. Uh, so we'll see what happens. I, I, Mark Pope very much reloading and looking for another run. Up on up at Utah, I know that uh, Craig Smith, he's got his work cut out for him to get things kind of stabilized there, but he's already had success at two other universities. Why wouldn't we expect to have him to have success up on the Hill? Yeah, you know what? He's... Like he's been saying since he got hired at Utah, what don't we have? Yeah. Um, which I, I would say that right now he doesn't have a lot of the players that he's looking for since there's been a lot of transfers, but he is bringing in some transfers. So it'll be interesting to see how his first season goes and where he's able to build from there. Uh, unless I forget our good friend Eric Jensen, who will be part of the Saturday show moving forward, he's going to be producing for us, sent this in on Twitter. He said, hey, you guys got to make sure you mention this. Uh, the UEFA Champions League final is playing right now. They're in Porto, Portugal, if I'm not mistaken. Two English clubs, Manchester City as well as Chelsea, facing off in that league fi- in the Champions League final. Nil-nil uh, in the, I believe, just before halftime here out there in Porto. Uh, the fun part about this is Christian Pulisic as well as Zach Steffen Two American-grown players playing in this Champions League final. One of them is going to win a Champions League. That's really cool. You know, represent for for the home country here. Yeah, it does bring up a point. You know, that I like a question that I want to ask yeah. you because so as somebody who doesn't follow soccer very closely, sure. You know, once every four years for the uh, you know go USA in the World Cup. Yeah, well, when they're there. Yeah, Women's World Cup. I've been following a lot more recently because. Let's be honest, it's a better product for the U.S. because they're Mm -hmm. actually in it. Um, But what is it about the U.S. men's national team? Like, why have they struggled so much? Why do they consistently fall short over just these past handful of years? Because I remember, uh, you know, it's been a while now, 
but it, it looked like they were building and they were getting more and more successful. And then all of a sudden now they've missed World Cups. They've missed Olympics. So what's what's kind of going on there? Well, they so they missed out on an opportunity that the debacle of them not qualifying for the last World Cup in Trinidad and Tobago in that final match of what they call the Hex was just abysmal because that was essentially what I like to call the old guard. The the we're talking guys like Josie Alt- Josie Altador might still be in the mix for this next World Cup cycle. Who knows? He's not necessarily in the mix. But the older guys, so we're talking the Kyle Beckermans, the Nick Romanos, if you want the Real Salt Lake connection, et cetera, that was kind of their last hurrah. And I think U.S. soccer kind of saw the writing on the wall and said, okay, we got to just, we got to get young. We got we to turn this around. And it's very much been a rebuild from the ground up. If you look at the roster of what U.S. soccer is playing with right now in these friendlies upcoming, et cetera, very, very young. Guys in their, some in teenage years, early 20s. If you're in your mid-20s or upper 20s, you're considered kind of an old dog when it comes to um, what's going on with U.S. men's national team right now. So very, very interesting to see how things go. I am very hopeful for the future of the U.S. men's national team with all the talent. Christian Pulisic and Zach Steffen are two of the major stars for the USMNT who are playing in this Champions League final. The hope is they continue to emerge over the coming years, and maybe at some point uh, the U.S. will get back to having success in the World Cup. Um, I just got good news. We are going to have another guest on the show coming up next. All right. The one, the only, the rock monster himself, Brad Rock, a guy who would know many, many things about Mark Eaton, just got back to me and said he can join us. We'll take a break here. We'll come back on the other side. The rock monster joins us on the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show. Jay Catch, Alex Lundberg along for the ride, and Lundy, nice pull on the bump back music here. We are pleased to be joined now by Brad Rock, the rock monster himself. Brad, thank you for carving out some time for us. How are you, sir? I am good. Yes, I have time. I have nothing but time, so I'm happy to be here. It's, it's good to hear your voice. It's, it's been a minute. How, how, how is life treating you, sir? Well, it's good. I got back from Mexico a couple of days ago. Uh, I get to take my own vacation time, Jake, whenever I uh, whenever I decide to. So it's it's doing well. I miss the uh, I miss the uh, people I worked with, like you guys, mm-hmm. and and uh, and the writing I miss. But uh, but it's a good schedule. I I would believe that. Absolutely would be a good schedule. And Brad, I wish we were bringing you on on a happier note, but um, some tragic news today, learning of the passing of Mark Eaton. Uh, for many, many years, you were right there in the trenches with the Utah Jazz. Um, what uh, is kind of your initial thoughts, thought or thoughts about the life and legacy of Mark Eaton? You know, he just never, he never changed. He never forgot who he was. He never stopped being grateful. Uh, he never stopped being an approachable guy. Uh, you know, I saw him three weeks ago. I was on the way somewhere else uh, and saw him on the shuttle at the airport, and he was heading up to Montana, uh, I think it was for a, for a fishing trip, and looked as good as he always does. And, and we talked for a few minutes there on the shuttle, and uh, nothing had ever changed. And some other people on the bus saw him, and, you know, they kind of came up and said, no, 
who's that tall guy? I know who he is. I know who he is. Mm -hmm. But he seemed so approachable uh, to everybody. And so he he never changed that. But he was just a grounded, good person in, in every aspect. I think that right there is kind of the epitome of who Mark Eaton was, Brad. I didn't have a lot of interactions with him, limited in terms of just mainly media. And you would see him here at Vivint Arena or back in the day, Mm -hmm. Energy Solutions Arena or even far back, the Delta Center. And it seemed like even if he were walking the opposite way, he was more than happy to stop and chat for a couple minutes, kind of give you his thoughts on what's going on. And then you just kind of move on with your day. But you always came away thinking, okay, he is a large human being. There's no doubt about that. Seven foot four, but mm-hmm. he was never too big f- to take a moment and speak to anybody. Never too big. And, you know, I have, I've been thinking about him all day since I heard the news. And I do remember one night when I covered the Jazz and I was in Minneapolis. And the Jazz had played the game. And uh, as I recall, you know, everybody was pretty much gone and I'd finished my story. And I walked out to the arena, <clears throat> out out to the court, and I see a group of a few hundred uh, young people. And, you know, they're standing on the court a couple of hours after the game. Mark was speaking to a small group of, I think it was a, a Christian youth group, uh, in the other team's arena. It wasn't for the jazz fans. It was the other team's arena, and he was that guy. Uh, when everybody else was done with work, uh, Mark went and donated his time to this group. So that kind of tells you tells you who he was. Uh, Brad, I'm sure that as you've seen and heard, you know a lot of people are sharing their experiences, um, mm-hmm. you know the different stories and things like that that they have of Mark Eaton. Uh, mm-hmm. But as someone who knew him well, you know and interacted with him a lot, uh, what would you say would be the best way to honor his legacy for? those of, of us who in the, in this community feel impacted by this loss? Yeah, that's a, that, that's a great question. He, lo- he loved Utah. And, and I do remember uh, once uh, I was on the team bus, actually, with him after a game. It was one of those mornings in Southern California. <laughs> it was winter up here, <laughs> and it was sunny in North, uh, Southern California. And, uh, you know, I got, I got on the bus, and I said, Mark, don't you ever wonder why you ever left here? He goes, no, no. He said, uh, I, you know, I. But until I moved to Utah, I thought standing in line at a bank or at a grocery store was just a way of life. Uh, standing in line all the time, he said, I love it up there. And uh, you know, I, I, I don't know how you would honor him by doing that, but he loved Utah. He loved the area where he lived up in in Park City, Jeremy Rand's area, and. <clears throat> And he treated everybody, I think if we, if we took anything from it, would say, you know, everybody matters to somebody. And, uh, and he made sure you knew that, and he, he was never too big to sign autographs. I never saw him ever be rude. I never saw him turn down an autograph. And, uh, and I think that is the, the legacy of Mark Eaton is, is that everybody matters. Brad, you spent many, many years covering games with the Utah Jazz. Are there any, uh, I don't know, particularly, I guess, what we'd say lighthearted moments that you had with Mark? You know, I can't think of him. He was always kind of gentle. He would have a gentle laugh. You know, no, it was, it, there wasn't often belly laughs, but I do remember this uh, 
see, I used to I used to ride on the team bus to games from the hotel, and mm-hmm. I never felt too comfortable doing that, except that Jerry liked it, and Jerry liked the media on the bus, so there the players were accountable. Uh, you know, if they if they weren't acting like he thought they should be, and so uh, I would go on the team bus, and, and one or two other people, Hot Rod Hundred would do it, and the Tribune writer would do it. And I, I was afraid I would miss a story if I didn't go on a team bus. But I do remember on the bus you would get on, and, and Mark and John Stockton would would be competing on crossword puzzles. And they have the newspapers out, and they would compete with each other. And uh, and they would uh, every once in a while uh, try to see if I could find something on my laptop or something. I I don't even remember at that time whether we were using laptop. I think we were using Radio Shack Trash 80s or something. But uh, anyway, uh, they would uh, they would compete with other each other on. On uh, on crossword puzzles, that was that was good entertainment, and those those guys were interested in uh, they were interested in the world around them. See, that's that's fascinating to me. Crossword puzzles of all things. Yeah, yeah. John and Mark uh, Mark would do that. I think now there's one other thing I remember pretty clearly, uh, and we were you know I don't know how we got on it. We were talking about big people, tall people, and you know. Uh, I, I I think I I think I put my hand my palm of my hand up and measured it to Mark's hand, and my hand was almost as big as his. He didn't have giant hands, and if you remember when he dunked, he just kind of rolled the ball over. He was tall enough, but he didn't he didn't take it in one hand like Dr. J and dunk it, mm-hmm. and and he didn't have gigantic hands. And I and John put his hands up against Mark's, and John's hands were bigger. Well, that, you know, that pretty well explains why John is the all-time assist leader in history. <laughs> he could pick up the ball in his hands. But that was, that was kind of entertaining to me that, that the seven-foot-four guy uh, didn't have gigantic hands, uh, and, and then the uh, six-foot-two guy, you know, uh, was able to use those, those great hands to become the all-time assist leader. That's absolutely... Oh, by the way, yeah. by the way, Mark Eaton... And John will be would be glad to uh, acknowledge this, and I, I've I've heard him do it. But Mark Eaton, John is the all-time uh, steals leader as well, and mm-hmm. and Mark Eaton made that happen. Not that John didn't have the skill, but John could gamble because he always had Mark at his back. Well, I think that, and we we talked to Steve Klauke earlier on on the show, and he kind of we I made the comparison that. What John Stockton was able to do is able to gamble a little bit more on defense because he yeah. had a guy behind him to deter opposing players. It's similar to what the right. Utah Jazz have right now with Rudy Gobert. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. very similar, and it allows guys to do things that they, you know otherwise you'd have to stay home and not take those those risks. And then you had the guy with John with the quickness and skill uh, that could do it, and so it put John in the record books. And uh, you know, Mark maybe should have an asterisk there and. Uh, and there's a footnote there. Hey, this is made possible by Mark Eaton. Absolutely. Well, we are out of time, but Brad, I could go on with you probably for another hour and a half just talking about your memories of the Utah Jazz. We'll have to save that for another day, all right? 
Okay, nice to talk with you. Absolutely. That was Brad Rock, of course, longtime sports writer here in Utah, covering the Utah Jazz for many, many, many years. Uh, thank him for taking the time really on short notice to hop on with us. But it has been an absolutely incredible show, Lundy. I think we've had some great guests. Big ups to David James, Steve Klauke, and just barely Brad Rock, as you heard. Uh, love getting their guys their insight because you and I are relatively young guys. We don't necessarily have the same frame of reference that they have, but good to get kind of their insights on what is really a tragic loss of Mark Eaton. Right. You know, and I, I'm I'm glad that we were able to bring them on and that you know we've been able to have interaction with the fans uh, who have have let us know of their memories, their interactions, things like that. Uh, you know. A, a large man with a large presence that leaves now a large hole oh, yeah. in in our community. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Well, we are out of time for this Saturday's show. Can't thank you all enough for tuning in. I hope you guys have a great day. Of course, uh, Utah Jazz Basketball will be on your airwaves. 6.30 pregame show with Jake Scott and Tim Lacombe. And of course, 7.30 tip-off between the Jazz and the Grizzlies. David Locke and Ron Boone will be on the call for that one. Big thank you to all of you. Alex, thanks for pulling double duty producing today. We'll be back next week. This has been the Saturday show right here on 97.5 FM, 1280 AM, and the Zone Sports Network.